This morning, uh, as we celebrate Easter, I realized that uh, we walk into a service like this with many things on our mind, uh, many different reasons for coming. Uh, some of you felt obligated by family members. Thank you uh, for being here today. Uh, others of you uh, came searching. You, you felt like this is the place that you should be on a Sunday morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being honest enough to come. Others of you do it out of habit. Um, and uh, I, I'm always interested. Uh, I hear from time to time people who come and visit Bear Valley Church. And and they say, oh, you know, th- those are the people that uh, are all clean and living good lives and uh, have everything together. And I... I LOL, okay? I laugh out loud when uh, I hear that because we are not. We are not. Uh, We are people, broken people, uh, bringing the pieces of life uh, before a God. And uh, we're figuring it out. We're sorting it out together. We're trusting in the Lord. Um, And so I'm grateful that uh, all of you are here today. And I trust that as we meet that you will be encouraged uh, that there's a place for you here at Bear Valley Church, um, that God has something special for you to grow and to learn and to become part of a family. Uh, Some of you haven't been here for a very long time, uh, not just because uh, you've been away and traveling, uh, but you've been away from the Lord for a very long time. Today's your day. Today's your day. This morning, uh, I'd like to start with reading from Matthew chapter 28, uh, which is the account after the resurrection as uh, the ladies came to the empty tomb. Matthew chapter 28, and I'll read verses 1 through 8. Some uh, some people have a tough time with the resurrection to explain it scientifically. Um, that would be pretty hard to do, uh, explain it scientifically. Uh, unless, of course, God was involved. And the one who put any law, scientific law, that is in place, he is the one who did this. Um, this is what his son, uh, after he died, this is what happened. Uh, This is a a record of history. Chapter 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, uh, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. 
See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Jesus had died, uh, just like my plant over there. He had died. There was no hope. These ladies and the disciples, they were followers of him. They were discouraged. They had placed their trust and faith in him. They, they followed him. They listened to him. They saw him do miracles. And now he was dead. These ladies came to prepare and to pay respects and to mourn some more. And they came uh, and something miraculous happened. This interchange with the angel and the seeing of the empty tomb. And I love the way it says what their response was. It says two things about their response. The first one was they were afraid. They had great fear. And you say, well, well, why did they have great fear? That's a dumb question. They had great fear as we would have great fear. We don't think about our fears. We see something that makes us fearful and we respond because we're afraid. And they were afraid because of what they had seen. They knew that it was miraculous. That it was more than they could take in. And so they were afraid. They were caught off guard. But they were also had great joy. Had great joy. The hope that they had in Jesus had been restored because of the resurrection. They knew that they could still follow him because he was alive. He had rose from the dead. And that's what we celebrate this morning. Unfortunately, this morning in our world, as we struggle, and I say we, I'm including myself, we struggle to put our hope and faith in dead pursuits. And when I say dead pursuits, I'm saying things that, that can't do it for us. They're not alive things. They're not things that will give us life. There are things that are dead. Some of us seek a vibrant relationship with money. We think that somehow money is going to make it for us. It's going to do it for us. We, we say in our mind, wouldn't it be great? Life would be great if. If, if this one thing were ha- would happen, everything would be great in my life. But it's not true. It's It's not true. It's a dead pursuit. It's things that we we pursue after that won't won't do it for us. They won't happen. It won't be something that changes or gives us life. It's a dead pursuit. Others of us say, well, you know, I don't seek that vibrant relationship with money. I've got things to do. I've got mountains to climb. I've got a bucket list of things to do before I die. And this is what will give me life. This is what will be the thing for me. Won't it be great when I accomplish this thing? What what happens? We, We accomplish it. And then we have to have another thing on our list. And another thing. Why? Because accomplishments are dead pursuits. The things that won't do it for us. They won't give us life. 
Lastly, maybe some others of us, we look for it in people. We say, you, you know, I'm, I'm married and I seek for that in my marriage. Or maybe I'm not married married, and I, I, I want someone to share life with. And somehow that's going to make my life worth living. Some of us say, you know, we're married and now we're going to have kids. And that's going to somehow going to change my life and, and make it worth living. Others of us have kids and we can't wait till they grow up and get out of the house. And we say that that will somehow make life worth living. We look for it in people and people disappoint. And they leave us empty and we put too much, we invest too much in them. And then they let us down and we're found empty. Dead pursuits. Unfortunately, most of us spend our days... Uh, involved in this, investing all that we have in dead pursuits. This morning, I, I want to tell you about our living God, our living God. And, and because we are living and because He is living, that we can live together. And that by us being connected with Him, we can have life. We can have life. And this isn't just life for a few days. It isn't just to get through this phase of life, this difficult season. It's not even for this life. It's eternal life. And this is the reason that we celebrate Easter. I want to tell you this morning, and we'll look at a few passages in a moment, but Jesus is real and alive. I know there are many who don't believe that. Uh... They say, I, I'm good without God. I, I can handle life. I can be a moral person. I, I can live without connection with Him. I don't need anyone. I, I don't need a covering. Um, the sad thing for them is the joke's on them. The joke's on them. Jesus was a real man. He walked the face of this earth. Committed no sin. He went to a real cross. He died a real death. Then he rose again, miraculously. You know why? Because he was God, a living God. I want to share with you a few passages this morning. The first one being 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. And as we consider this morning the idea of the living God, I want to tell you that it's throughout the Scripture. The Speaking of God the Father and uh, his son and the spirit as well, that, that the, this idea of a living God uh, is throughout the, the scriptures. And, and the purpose being is that he gives us life, life that isn't limited to this life, but eternal life. First Timothy chapter four, verse 10. Uh, these are words spoken from an older pastor to a younger one. And he's explaining why he should continue even though life is difficult. And this morning, we could go around, each one of us here, and we could talk about things that have been difficult in this life. And unfortunately, most of the time when we come up against something difficult, we see that as a stop sign or turn around, go the other way. Stop doing what you're doing because 
it's difficult, go the other way. Try something else. And that causes us to turn around and quit doing what's right. This morning, as you, we look at these passages, we will see a reason to keep going. A hope, a trust in Jesus that makes it worth it, even to experience trial. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10 says this, For to this end we toil and strive, because we have, set our, we have our hope set on the living God, who is a Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. If you have your hope set on the success or the ease of life, uh, you're going to have to switch that out pretty often. Because life disappoints. There are difficult things. You've experienced them. You could tell me about them. Some of you could tell me many more hurts than I've ever experienced. And this morning, as we consider that, Paul was telling Timothy, keep going. There's a reason to toil. There's a reason to continue on. Sometimes the monotony of life gets to us, doesn't it? Sometimes the pursuits, the things that we do. Uh, have you ever been frustrated that some of the things you do, you do them every day? You do them every day. You, you work really hard one day, and then the next day you get to do it again. You get to get up and do the same things again. And there's a, a sense of futility to it. There's a sense of frustration. And you go, why? And, and when there's pressure and make it difficult, why keep going? Paul tells Timothy, there's a reason to keep going. A reason to toil and to strive. Why? Because we've set our hope on a living God. A living God. And that the plan of the Father and the Son and the Spirit of God working together is to be our Savior. That we would be saved. And you say, well, how? how? Saved from what? Saved from your sins. Which are many. Which are many. I say that because I know that my sins are many. And I'm just assuming that you're the same. If you're not, sorry to classify you that, that way. But you are, okay? Uh, uh, sins are many. Sins are many. And so being a sinner, being one that is marked by my own sin, we need a Savior. There's only one. His name is Jesus Christ. The living God. The living God active and participating in my life. One that is, is ready to have relationship with me, not just for the days of this life, but forever, eternal life. And so we, we dwell upon our living God, a Savior. In this passage, it says, of all people, who is a Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. You may look at that and say, well, if, so everyone's saved. Everyone, it's the idea that Jesus is the Savior. He came to save sinners, of which all are. And that includes every race, every nationality. It includes the old and the young. It includes men and women. It includes the rich and the poor. It includes everybody. 
And, and as I look at this, everybody needs a Savior. Everybody. And so he extends his hand to be a Savior to all. But there's a distinction. There's a special relationship for those who believe. For those who believe. They truly have that relationship. They have a living relationship with the living God. They have eternal life. Apart from you believing in Jesus, you do not have eternal life. This life is all there is. You might fill it with these empty and dead pursuits. They may feel good for a moment and leave you empty in the end. But I want to tell you, the reason we celebrate today is because Jesus is living. He rose again. He did not, he did not stay dead. Miraculously, He came to life again. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. I want to read to you some other verses. These are from the Old Testament. And this, this idea of the living God is important for us to remember that, that God isn't just doing something for a moment and then dead. He's active and participating. And those who believed in God uh, in all of time understood Him to be the living God. In Psalm chapter 42, verse 2 says this, My soul, the psalmist is crying out. Why? Because life is hard. And he says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He's looking for the living God. He knows that's what he, that's what we need here this morning. Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. What a beautiful thing to remember that that there is a living relationship we can have with the living God right now and that He remains the everlasting King forever. It's a forever relationship with the King. And so this morning as you consider who you are, where you are, what your life is, I want to remind you, you need a relationship with the living God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a great uh, chapter really on the resurrection. And it concludes with talking about death. And, and death is the great one. It's the, the biggest point in life. It is the thing that uh, removes all hope. You see this uh, flower here and you see the deadness of it and you, you know in your mind it's over. If you've been to the hospital and you've walked away without your loved one, you, you also know it's over. And there's this sting of it. There's this hurt of it. There's this loss that it, you can't come to grips with. And then you read God's word and you realize this is why Jesus died and rose again. In verse 55 of chapter 15, it says this, O death, we, we sang about this. Did you, did you recognize this? We sang about this. There were, it was in 12 of the six songs that we've sung, right? Uh, it, it's, it's what we, this is, this is the excitement of Easter. O death, where is your victory 
O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Keep going, even if it's hard. Why? Because Jesus has died and rose again. He has won the victory Skipping up uh, to verse 17 of that same chapter of uh, chapter 15 is the great warning or the great loss uh, if this is not true. Look at what God's word says in verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. If Jesus had not died and rose again, there's no reason for us to meet this morning. In fact, there's no reason for us to meet. So you can all leave. If you didn't didn't rise from the dead, you can all leave. But don't go home and go to sleep. You know why? Because you're still in your sins. Better figure out how to get out of those two. You're lost. This is the great warning. This is the, the, the reason that this is such a big day. This is the reason that this is something uh, that we should wonder about and fret about. If Jesus had not died and rose again, this is futile. Our faith is futile. And we're still sitting in our sins, every one of them. God's word says this in verse 18 then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. We've had people in our church this last year who have lost loved ones that have been in faith. If Jesus didn't die and rise again, um, they just perished. There's no hope in that. It's dead. It's over. But look at this. Verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all of all people, most to be pitied. Most to be pitied. So if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we are most to be pitied. The joke is on us. The joke is on us. But I want to tell you, He is risen from the dead. Jesus Christ is alive today. The living God, the living God, that we can place place our faith and hope in. None of the dead pursuits that we chase after will do. We need Jesus. This morning, as you have come, my desire was to remind you of that, that you need Jesus, the risen Savior. It's very simple. Some of you have maybe never trusted in Christ. I'd love to speak with you after the service. There's really nothing more important that you can do today. Today's your day. It's your time. For those of you who have trusted in Christ, maybe discouraged today, I want to tell you, He's worthy for your hope and trust. He's alive. He participates. He's with you forever, forever. 
This is the hope of Easter. This is the reason that we celebrate. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for the blessing of these, uh, this time that we could come together as just people struggling and um, struggling with sin and life and just all that goes on. Lord, thank you for allowing us to come. Thank you for us to be reminded in song the truth of the gospel. There's hope that we can trust in you. That even death, though it seems like the great loss because of Jesus, it's the great victory. God, I pray for each one here um, that they would not trust in themselves, that they would not chase after the dead pursuits of this world. But they would love and embrace Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. God, thank you for this time, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed. <laughs>